I invite you to bow your heads and pray together with me. Lord, I pray that the words I'm about to speak and the thoughts that we think as we meditate on your word for us today, Lord, I pray that that would all be truly acceptable in your sight, O God, who is indeed our rock and our redeemer, the source of hope in our lives, even in the midst of suffering and struggle. Amen. So as I said at the beginning today, we are in this series on the book of Job. We're looking at Job's story, and we've entitled it, Walking with God in the Storm. Because Job's story is certainly a story of a a great storm in his life. He had lost a number of members of his family who had passed away. He was deathly ill, and uh, he was going through those struggles. And in those struggles, we see our own struggles, and we see how Job dealt with them, and we are encouraged to turn to God as we deal with those struggles as well. Now, the outline for the sermon I have for you this morning is really pretty simple. It's just two points. It's when you are in the storm, first of all, some people will let you down, but God's love will carry you through. Now, it's really important that we say some people will let you down because later on in this series, we are going to learn how we can be uh, the voice of God in people's lives and how God can actually use us to be a powerful witness to hope and peace in people's lives around us. But, but sometimes, even though we intend the best, we're going to let people down. Um, a number of years ago, I, you may have heard me tell this story. When, when our son Christian was born, uh, he's 23 years old, by the way, now, perfectly healthy, six foot six, doing great, right? But when he was born, he was deathly ill. In fact, really not expected to survive. And uh, during the first about week of his life, each day, we weren't sure whether he was going to make it through that day or through another day after that. And uh, as we went through that, as you can remember, that, that, or you can imagine that very difficult storm in our lives, um, a number of people tried to say comforting things to us. I remember one particular afternoon, I had run over to church to get something out of my office, and there was a lady there, and, and uh, she pulled me aside, and she said to me, she goes, I know why God is doing this to your son. I was like, well, that's an interesting thing to say. Really? Uh, why? And she said, because God is going to use this to revive the prayer life of our congregation. And I, and, and I didn't say this. What I wanted to say was, couldn't God have figured out another way to fix your prayer life? You know? Um, but the worst one was this. Uh, Betty and I were sitting by uh, Christian's side there in the neonatal intensive care unit. And uh, there was a woman, a chaplain, who had come to spend some time with us. And we found out later it was like her first week on the job, okay? Uh, but as we were sitting there, and again, we, we don't know whether our son is going to survive or not, she turned and looked at me. She knew I was a pastor. And she said, boy, I bet you're getting some good sermon illustrations out of all this. I'm not kidding you. That's really what she said. Yeah. Now, now, here's the thing. First of all, both those, both those ladies meant well. They really did, right? And, and both of them were kind of right at a certain level, right? I mean, it did revive the prayer life of our congregation. We had more people praying than ever before, you know? So, so that did happen. And as I just evidenced, I did get some good sermon illustrations <laughs> out of that. But, but even though there was some truth in what they were saying, it wasn't the right time to say it, right? It, it wasn't especially loving or helpful, Now, we see that in Job's story. Job's friends begin to speak, and they try to speak words of comfort and help to him. And the first one to speak is this guy by the name of Eliphaz. 
And, uh, and this is part of what Eliphaz had to say. He said to Job, consider now who being innocent has ever perished. Where were the upright ever destroyed? As I have observed, those who plow evil and those who sow trouble will reap it. In other words, what Eliphaz is saying to Job is, I know why you're suffering. It's your own fault. There's something that you have done wrong, and God is punishing you. In fact, he goes on to say this. He says, do not despise the discipline of the Almighty when you sin. For though he wounds, he also bandages. He strikes, but his hands heal. Again, he's trying to be comforting. He says, Job, you've sinned. You've done something wrong, and that's why God's smiting you. But don't worry, eventually God will stop. You know, that's kind of the best he can come up with. Now, why is it, do you think, that people like Elphaz and that chaplain and that lady from my church, why is it, do you think, that, that, that when we're with people who are suffering, we say stupid things like that? Well, I, I think, first of all, it's just because we feel like we have to say something, right? We, we, we feel like we've got to try to comfort them somehow, and so we open our mouth, and sometimes... Stupid things come out, right? Even though we have the best of intentions. Now, now, by the way, before we're too tough on Elphaz, he and Job's other friends, and by the way, that lady who was the chaplain and that friend from our church, they all at least did one thing, right? At least they were there for us, right? Look at what this says. This is near the beginning of the book. It says, now Job had three friends, and uh, their names are there. And it says, now they wanted to show their concern and to comfort him. They sat on the ground with Job seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how much he was suffering. So in other words, the first thing Job's friends do when they find out he's in trouble is they show up and they sit with him. They just spend time with him, right? And, and, And they don't say anything. Maybe they should have just stopped there, right? And by the way, that's good advice for us as well. When we have a chance to be with someone who is going through a difficult time, maybe the best thing we can do is just be with them, that we don't have to say anything at all. So sometimes people will let you down in difficult circumstances. But here's the good news. God's love is enough to carry us through any struggle or suffering. Again, before we're uh, too hard on Elphaz, Elphaz also said this. He said, if I were you, I would go to God. I would present my case to him. He does great things too marvelous to understand. He performs countless miracles. In other words, now Elphaz finally starts to get it right. He says, look, God does amazing things and we can't understand. In other words, instead of trying to tell you why I think you're suffering, maybe Elphaz should have just stuck to this and said, you know what? Sometimes we don't understand why God lets things happen. But I know what you should do. You should go to God. And folks, ultimately... God is the one who's going to be our source of hope and strength in our lives. So so why don't we always go to God? Why isn't that the first person we go to? Because sometimes he just isn't. Well, I think it's because we're worried we're not going to say the right thing to God. Just like we don't always say the right thing to people that are hurting. I think sometimes when we're hurting, we're worried we're not going to say the right thing to God. And by the way, Job is a good example of that as well. Um, look at what Job had to say. This is, uh, he says, the Almighty has struck me down with his arrows. Their poison infects my spirit. God's terrors are lined up against me. Don't I have a right to complain? I wish he would crush me. I wish he would reach out his hand and kill me. 
He goes on to say, oh God, remember that my life is but a breath and I will never again feel happiness. You see me now, but not for long. You look for me, but I will be gone. Just as a cloud dissipates and vanishes, those who die will not come back. You think Job's suffering from a little bit of depression here? I think he is. But here's the cool thing. Even though he's saying some pretty stupid stuff, even though he's expressing frustration and even anger with God, notice that Job still goes to God with it. I think sometimes we're afraid to do that. You know, we're angry with God, or we're disappointed in God, or we're confused by God, or, or we're just depressed. And, and so we don't pray, we don't talk to God, because we're worried that somehow God will get mad at us if we, if we say those kinds of things to him, or, or God, um, God will make our situation worse if we don't show God that we trust him. I think that, that's a common way of thinking, isn't it? But first of all, does God already know how you feel before you tell him? course he does you can't hide that from God you wouldn't want to and, and so we don't have to worry that somehow we're going to offend God if we if we kind of share the raw emotions of our heart if we kind of share our anger our frustration our confusion our fear there's nothing wrong with taking those things to God there, there's there's nothing wrong with bearing our soul to him he's big enough to handle it and he loves us enough to handle it remember we say this all the time here at Trinity. There's nothing we could ever do to make God love us one bit less. We never have to worry that if we, if we let God know how we feel, that God's going to somehow go, oh, okay, well, you feel that way? You deal with it on your own. I'm done with you, right? God's not going to do that. And, and by the way, before we're too hard on Job, remember, even though Job is the one that said things like this, he also says this. Job said, I know that my Redeemer lives. And he will stand upon the earth at last. And after my body has decayed, yet in my body I will see God. I will see him for myself. Yes, I will see him with my own eyes. I'm overwhelmed at the thought. What a powerful confession of faith in God. And isn't it amazing that those words are the, come from the same guy that just said, yeah, God's going to just smite me and I'm going to be gone and nobody's ever going to hear from me again, you know? Same guy. I'm always encouraged by that one gentleman in the New Testament that comes to Jesus. And do you remember what he said? He said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief, right? Have you been there? I know I have, especially in the middle of suffering or struggle. Lord, I believe, but I don't always believe. Help me. That's what we hear from Job. Now, Elphaz said one other thing that's really kind of interesting. Um, I... Someday, maybe when I retire, I'm going to write a book about people that said the right thing in the Bible, but they said it for the wrong reasons, okay? And, and this is one of those things. Elphaz says, and again, he's talking to Job at this time, and he says, stop and think, who being innocent ever perished? And what he means by that is, you're not innocent, and that's why you're perishing, right? But actually, Elphaz said something really profound here without realizing it. Who being innocent ever perished? Is there anyone who was ever innocent and still died? Hmm, yeah, there was. One guy, right? Jesus. And here's the, here's the thing I think we forget sometimes when we, when we go through the Good Friday celebration, we think about Jesus on that cross. We focus on his physical suffering. But the reality is, in that moment on the cross, in some way that's beyond our understanding, Jesus experienced the pain and the loss and the struggle that Job was going through. 
And he experienced the pain and the loss and the suffering that you have gone through in your life and that I have gone through in my life. Somehow, in some way beyond our understanding, God poured out on Jesus on the cross all of our suffering, all of our struggles, all of our pain, all of our sin. He experienced it all. So here's the first good news in that. That means that whatever it is you are going through, Jesus went through it too. He knows exactly how you feel. He knows exactly the pain you're going through. He knows exactly the confusion. He knows exactly the struggle. He knows it because he experienced and he did that for you. But here's the great news. The cross is not just about Jesus being able to empathize with us when we struggle. Because you see, Jesus took that stuff and on Easter morning, he beat it. He defeated it. Easter tells us that Jesus rose from the dead to conquer sin and death for you and for me. And that means no matter what suffering you are going through, just as Jesus got through it, you will get through it too. Ultimately, we will all be healed. Ultimately, we will all be forgiven. Ultimately, all the confusion will be gone. All the pain will be gone. All the suffering will be gone. All the struggling will be gone. And Easter tells us that. Job said, I know that my Redeemer lives. And uh, we've turned that into a beautiful hymn, haven't we? A hymn we sang on Easter just a couple weeks ago. And a hymn that we sang at my mom's funeral and we sang at my dad's funeral. I know that my Redeemer lives, Job said. And because of that, I know that I have comfort. What comfort, he said, we, we sing, that sweet sentence gives. Just that idea that we know that Jesus lives means that suffering does not get the final word in our lives. And I don't know if you guys remember this guy. Some of you do, Scott Thomas. Scott was a pastor here at Trinity a number of years ago. And uh, it was in the fall of 2011 uh, that Scott contracted stage four lung cancer. And uh, after a, a, a battle of a few months long, he, um, in, in 2012, died and went to be with Jesus. And... Uh, Scott is kind of, I bring him up today because in my mind, he's kind of like the, the closest version to a modern day Job story I know. You know, Scott, things were going great in Scott's life. You know, he had he'd become a pastor on our staff. His, his, his wife said that, you know, he finally figured out what he wanted to be when he grew up, and it was a pastor here at Trinity. And uh, um, it, was, it was a great privilege for me to be able to work with him, and uh, it was great having him on our team. And yet, then out of nowhere, all of a sudden, came down with this horrible disease and, and struggled and suffered with that disease for many months. And uh, I, I was one of those friends that would come and sit with him. And I bet I said some pretty stupid things over those months. Someday in heaven, he's going to walk up to me and go, do you know what you said to me that was? You know? I'm going, yeah, sorry, Scott. Didn't know what to say. Just kind of came out of my mouth. I apologize, right? But, but here's the thing. Scott also struggled like Job did. I know he did. He, he, he struggled with the if-then question, you know, because just, just like Job and his friends were wrestling with, if you're sick, that must be that then God is punishing you for something. That was the if-then the way they saw it. And Scott struggled with that if-then. He said, well, well, what was it I did that was the if that led to the then I ended up with this cancer? Struggled with that. There wasn't a good answer for that. But Scott also kept kind of an online journal. 
he, uh, he, he made posts in his CaringBridge page, and, and a lot of people started reading those posts as he struggled and wrote. And one day he wrote this, um, and I, I copied it down off that page because I wanted to share it with you today. Scott was struggling with that if-then. He was struggling, just like Job was, to understand why he was going through what he went through. But Scott also was going to Jesus with that. And he was letting Jesus know his frustrations and his struggles. And, and one day he wrote this. He said, I've been reminded of a new if-then scenario today. And so I tried to fight a little less today and rather rest in the Lord a little more. The if, does God love me? Yes. The then, I'm in his perfectly capable hands, assured of my healing according to his perfect will. Those beautiful words. Folks, I don't know what you're going through today. I, I, maybe, maybe this series on suffering is just kind of an interesting um, uh, mental exercise for you. Um, and you're kind of thinking about how someday this might be useful for you. But maybe you're going through some pretty nasty stuff right now. Either you or someone you love or care about. And maybe you're angry about it. Maybe you're confused about it like Job was. Maybe you've had some friends say some not-so-helpful things along the way. But whatever it is, I know this, you can go to the Lord with your frustrations, with your confusion, with your depression. You can take it all to him. He's big enough to handle it. And when you do, I promise you this, you will come to the same conclusion Scott did and Job eventually does. If God loves you, and he does, then you can rest in his loving arms. That's his promise to you. Amen.